Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. We're just going to jump right in this morning. We've been in Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read some passages out of uh, chapter 7 this morning, and then we're just going to hone in on a couple different things out of this. So Ecclesiastes chapter 7, we'll start in verse 16. I think the slide has us at 19, but just don't worry about it. Just join in when you see that. Oh, that's my fault. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep, and who can find it out? I turn to my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. So that's the word of God. Um, we're going to focus on number, verse 26, and I find something more bitter than death, the woman. I'm just kidding, we're not going to do that. Uh, I can't see your faces, but I wanted to. We're not going to focus on that. That's, we'll th if you want to talk to me afterwards about that weird passage, I can explain that. Um, so here's where we are, right? The preacher, as you read in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, it was the preacher who wrote this. And last week we were led on a journey uh, uh, to contentment, hopefully. If you were not here last week, I, I want you to go listen to that podcast from last week. Uh, about us being content and enjoying what God has given. Um, but here, here's what happens, and this is what the preacher does to us all the time in Ecclesiastes, right? He takes us on this journey, and it's, it's like, cool, that was good. I needed to go here. I needed to be content. I needed to, to reflect on the good gifts of God. And then, okay, a hard right turn, right? It's like Ecclesiastes seems like a bunch of hard right turns. And I'm just going to sum up the beginning of chapter 7 for you. Because we didn't read it. Uh, verse 1 through 14, okay? You, you, you see some sort of pithy proverbs in there, and then it, go, it goes on. And I just want uh, to sum this up, because we go on this journey last week of contentment. And then the preacher's like, now here's a fact of life. Life isn't fair. Okay, now, 
Jenny and I, are, uh, Jenny's my wife, we are not in the middle of writing any parenting books, okay? I just want to, let me just throw that out there before I tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you. Uh, we, we, we do the best we can. We, we think, uh, we're trying to follow the Lord in our parenting. So, so, so here's something that goes on in our house. My kids, now, if there's one thing where they get my look, well, they get my look on a lot of things, but if they get the look from me, it's, it's when they say this, that's not fair. Okay, listen, scratch a chalkboard, but don't say that in my house. They know this. From the time they were little, I, I've had different responses to that stupid phrase. That's not fair. What's your point, son? That's kind of what I might say. That's not fair. Who says I have to be fair? That's not fair. Hey, we don't say that in this house. That's kind of how we do it in our house. I hate that statement. So we don't use it. Now, if you have my kids in class upstairs, maybe they take all the liberty to say it in class because they don't get to say it at home. Or maybe they hear some other kids say it and they say, who cares, life's not fair, get over it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the preacher tells us as much. Life isn't fair. Now before we get into the, the next thing I want to talk about, I, I'm going at this a little bit differently today, okay? Um, I, I kind of have three goals of what I'd like to accomplish today. Uh, and man, I, just so you, I pray through this, I labor over this, I'm like, what do, I, what do I say to Hill City people? Like, Lord, help me. So these aren't just like selfish goals. These are like, I just, okay, Lord, here, here are the goals. Take these off my heart if you don't want me to talk about this. So, so number one today, here's what I would hope happens, okay? And, and in Titus, this is in the New Testament, book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 10, it says this little phrase, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things, okay? Now that word, adorn, right? If you look in the, in the Greek word, it's where we get our word cos, cosmetics or to make beautiful the doctrine of God our Savior, to decorate it. If there's anything I want to do as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, is that, I, is that I would hope that I make this beautiful, that I adorn this. This is the doctrine of God our Savior. And I want you guys to love this. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7, I didn't read this, but verse 12, it says this. This is one of the pithy Proverbs I didn't read. For the protection of wisdom, which the doctrine of God, our Savior, is wisdom. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So, so, the, so here's, here's what that's saying, right? I, I, when I was in college, I had a crappy little Honda Civic, 1992 Honda Civic. And when I would just drive home to see my parents, I was like, man, if this car breaks down, I'm in trouble. Like, I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to, okay, I was lucky to get, have the gas in this thing to go home. I sure as heck didn't have enough money to get a tire or get, or get it to a mechanic, right? Anybody remember those days? Or maybe you're living in those days, um, and, and, and Ecclesiastes says, for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. 
And, and here's what that's getting at. When I go on a trip, we just went to Kansas City this weekend, took the family. I did not worry one bit about, listen, if my car breaks down, we, we are in a situation now, Jenny and I, where it's like, okay, we'll send it, we'll get it fixed, and if we got to rent a car to get where we need to get, we'll do that. Like, we're not worried. And that's a, that's a kind of a, not, I like being there better. You know what I'm saying? And the Bible's like, hey, wisdom is like the protection of money. Hill City Church, get wisdom, okay? And listen, here's where you get it. The doctrine of God our Savior, adorn it in all things. And, then, and you see some other pithy proverbs that we didn't read, but, but the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get, get at is living against this is foolish. Doing what this says to do is is wise. I'll give you an example. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9 says, Okay, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Okay? That's a good thing. That, that's wise. That's good. Let's do that. And then look at verse 10. Okay, are you going to be, verse 9, are you going to be better if you don't get angry quickly? Yes, you are. Then here's another example, just another proverb, okay? Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this thing. So, so the Bible, this book of wisdom, this doctrine of God our Savior says, hey, don't sit around and be like, man, those were the good old days. Actually, things were awesome back then and they stink right now. Don't do that. That's foolish. The old days never were. Andy Griffith is fake. So, so we're better to not do that. Those are just examples that Let's live by that design, and let's be wise, and let's not be fools. I, I think if we, if we go to the Bible, it will teach us that it's the, it's the life that you never knew that you always wanted. Does that make sense? L living by the wisdom of this book, adorning the doctrine of God our Savior. I mean, after all, we are in wisdom literature, okay? So that's, that, that's, that's why I'm talking about this. If we would go here, let this make all of our decisions, we would find out it's actually the life that we never knew we always wanted. Sometimes when I'm talking to people and I try to explain my job, um, here's how I explain it. Not all of it. This is just a portion of my job, right? I meet with a lot of people. And basically it feels like this, okay? So imagine with me, this stage is like a cliff. And my, here I am, this is my job. And people are running and they're trying to like jump off this cliff. And my job is, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want to do that. Okay, hold on right here. Whoa, 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 listen. You, and I'm just back and forth. That's how I would describe a lot of my job. The cliff being like, Foolish decisions. Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying that to shame anyone. Because here's the reality. The wind at the back of those running to the cliff is a strong wind. And it's a wind of what they're hearing. Uh, it's the messages that they're hearing all, all around them. It, essentially, it's the doctrine of the world. It's not 
the doctrine of God our Savior. Are you with me? So, so, so some examples might be uh, the world saying, hey, are you, are you sick of your spouse? Go get another one. You deserve a better spouse. The, the wind at the back is, no, 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 listen, go buy that. You deserve that. It, that's actually where fulfillment is. In this car, in this status, go get it. The, the world saying, love is love. Go be in any kind of relationship you want to be in. Okay, Horton, you don't want to do that. And here's the reality. I, I, cause, cause I don't want to oversimplify this this morning. But hear me when I say this. I also don't think we need to overcomplicate this either. And here's what I'm saying. Here's the best advice I can give you. And I tell people this. If I sit, if I sit in an office with them, it's, it's, I have three things for you. This is me. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm not trained in, in counseling, okay? Here, here's what I have for you. I love you, that's a fact. God loves you, that's a fact. Here's what the Bible says. That's what I've got. Now, just do what the Bible says. And again, I'm not trying to oversimplify it. But I also don't think we need to overcomplicate it. Okay, so, so you're saying you were dishonest at work. You, you started making decisions based off of this dishonest decision. And you piled it on with other dishonest decisions. And now you've got yourself in a pickle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Just do what the Bible says. Okay, so you did the thing, and you were drunk when you did the thing. Yes? Okay. Just do what the Bible says. Okay. Have you tried to outdo her in love and good works, or are you just trying to compete with her? Okay, have you tried to outdo your husband in love and good works, or are you trying to compete with him? Okay, you haven't tried to outdo. Okay. Let's see what the Bible says. Okay. So you... You're crushed right now. You, you, did you, you had sex with him? Okay. And it hurts. I'm sorry. I'm, that stinks. I, I know the pain that you're in. Um, let's do what the Bible says. Listen, it really could solve a bulk of our problems. I live in this. 
Well, Brad, you don't get it. I'm tired. Like I've been doing my best to do what the Bible says. I'm tired of trying. He's not helping. She's not helping. I'm kind of sick of this. Oh, you mean you're growing weary and doing good? Sounds like you're growing weary and doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. Because in due time, you're going to reap what you sow if you'll just stand, stay with it. In other words, I know you're tired. Just keep doing what the Bible says. Andy Stanley, you guys know him. He, he says this, and I, I, it's not that I listen or, or, or like everything that he says, but I, he, he says, following Jesus makes my life better and makes me better at life. In other words, doing what the Bible says makes your life better and will make you better at life. Hill City Church, get wisdom. And we get it from the doctrine of God our Savior, and it's beautiful. Am I saying everything's going to go perfectly all the time? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just saying it's better. I want to adorn the doctrine. I want, to, I want you to see this as beautiful. And as we're going through Ecclesiastes, this, the, the, I, I paint this picture because the second goal that I would have for you in this passage is that this book gives us a proper view of ourselves. And I want you to have that today. Because here's where we go to get improper views of ourselves. All of us are guilty of this. We go to social media and we start to compare. And that's an improper view of yourself. That's not where you should go. You should go here. We, we, we go to our careers to try to get a proper view of ourselves. That's not where you should go. We go to pop culture to try to get a proper view of ourselves. And those are all improper views. We should go here to get a proper view of ourselves. Ecclesiastes does that in a couple verses. And here is a proper view. And I want to look at this two ways. There was a view of us before Jesus. And some of you are not following Jesus in this room. So this is, this is you right now. And this is all of us at one point. Okay? And it's this. It's brokenness. We use that word a lot here. Broken, broken, broken. We were broken before Jesus. Why were we broken? Number one reason, because of our sin. You heard this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. That is a proper view of ourselves. Reading that verse should cause all of us to realize that we need something, or better yet, we need someone. We just sang it. How often do we need someone? Every hour. We were broken because of our sin. There's another reason we're broken. We're broken because of just original sin, because our first father, Adam. That's one reason we're broken. Look at Ecclesiastes 7.29. It says this, See this alone I found, that God made man upright. But they have sought out many schemes. Now, if you, if you would read that, the word for man, that, the word for man right there would read like this. See, this alone I found that God made Adam upright. But they have sought out many schemes. Ecclesiastes does this a lot. We don't have time to get into it. It, take, it points to Genesis all the time. All the time. 
We're broken. But we need a view of ourselves not just pre-Jesus. We need a proper view of ourselves as we are with Jesus. In verse 16, this is a weird verse, so, so look at it, right? It says, be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Okay, now I say this phrase a lot. I say, don't hear what I'm not saying. Let me say this. Don't read here what the Bible's not saying. You could draw some incorrect conclusions off of this sentence. So let me, let me just do a little compare and contrast here, okay? And, and listen, you just got to forgive me. I do sports analogy stuff. Uh, this, oh, just, just where my mind goes, okay? So, so imagine with me a quarterback. It's football season. So, so a quarterback walks into a room with his coach and offensive coordinator, and he's like, look, every, every quarterback that's ever played in this league throws interceptions, coach. Correct. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to throw like three today because I haven't thrown any in a while. Everybody does it anyway. I'm owed some interceptions. So that's what I'm going to do. Listen. That's going to be a weird conversa like, conversation with the coaches, okay? It's going to be like, I, are you kidding? Like, you're joking right now, right? Like, this is, this is foolish. Unless you're kidding. And, and, and then maybe over here you got another kind of quarterback that walks in and he's like, I, I've actually never thrown an interception in my career. Uh... I'm pretty good. But then his coaches are like, dude, you threw two last Sunday. Yeah, I mean, not really. Those weren't my fault. That was really somebody else's fault. I didn't throw those. Actually, no, I, I don't even remember throwing those. Okay. That's foolish. And, and, and both quarterbacks are equally foolish. Stay with me. Because last week Daniel brought up a word, and I want to bring it up a couple times today. And it's the word balance. Okay, I, I think God's people must be people who are balanced. And, and, and listen, as a quarterback, like you, I, want, I want a quarterback who is out there not trying to throw interceptions. I want a quarterback that throws no interceptions. Like, I want a quarterback that is pursuing no interceptions. But I also want a quarterback that goes, hey, yeah, I, d I actually did throw an interception. And then have a proper response to that. In other words, it doesn't, it's not brain surgery here, right? I, listen, Hill City people, people of God. We should pursue righteousness and holy living. Do you understand? Just give me a head shake. You understand this, I hope. We should pursue this. But all the while, knowing and believing Psalm 37. Say, what's Psalm 37? Glad you asked. Psalm 37, 23 and 24. Let's look at it. I'll just turn back there real quick. I don't, I don't have a slide for that. Give me a second. Psalm 37. Okay, ready? 
I could have went to a lot of places in Scripture. There are a lot of examples. I'm just going to go to Psalm 37. Look at this, verse 23 and 24. The steps of man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. Here we go. If you underline something in your Bible, here we go. For the Lord upholds his hand. That's huge. So what are you getting at? Listen, we should pursue no interceptions. We should pursue righteousness. We should pursue holiness. All the while understanding it's God that's going to hold us up anyway. We must be balanced. But look at me, Hill City Church, we sing this all the time. If you are following Jesus, you are righteous. We are righteous. Like when I say just do what the Bible says, listen to me. Do you know that we can do that? You know how exciting that is? We can do what the Bible says. We can live right. We can be right. You, listen, go to the Old Testament when the law was given. Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy, right? The law is given to God's people. They had just come out of slavery. They were told what they could do, when they could do it, how they could worship, who they could worship, when they could worship. It was terrible. Years of slavery. Then, then they're given this law. And their response to this law wasn't like, oh, that looks terrible. That looks like it's impossible. No, no, no. They were like, wait a minute. This, this is written down for us? We can do this. This is freedom. We can do this. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Neither is it far off. Don't believe the lies. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? No, no, no. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. Hill City Church, you can do it. This is great news. And it's wise to do it. Have, have any of you read Psalm 119? I mean, the Psalms are full of this, right? We, we've got this view of the Bible and the law as this like, oh, this iron-fisted hearted. Listen, do you see, did you see how they wrote about the law? Go read, go read Psalm 119. And what David says about the law, it's beautiful, it's life, it gives me life. It, it, uh, just, it, it'll blow your mind. Following the law, obeying God's law is a good thing. And that's, it's not just a good thing, it's actually a beautiful gift. We must recognize that. We must get wisdom. We can be righteous. I did not say we should be self-righteous. We can be righteous. We just can't do it by ourselves. In other words, righteousness and wisdom are impossible under the sun. Now, if you've been with us, when you hear under the sun, here's what I hope comes to your mind. Apart from God. When you read Ecclesiastes and you see under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, 
That means apart from God. And righteousness and wisdom cannot happen under the sun. In other words, apart from God, but it can happen with God. We can be righteous. We actually should pursue righteousness. All the while realizing we will fall. It's balance. We are righteous and we will be unrighteous at times. But just don't be a fool about it. Well, I sin, you sin, everybody sins. We're all guilty, so nobody's guilty. That's a terrible culture. We will be unrighteous at times. The key is that we have a proper response to it. Go back with me. Let's go back to our quarterbacks. (laughs) I don't want either one of those guys on my team. Here's who I want on my team. The quarterbacks are the best to ever do it, right? They, they, the best have ever played quarterback on this planet have thrown interceptions. And what the TV will do is show them on the sideline. And they've got their little iPad. And they're looking. And they're looking. And they're talking to a receiver, talking to a coach. Okay. And, and, and here's what they do. They see and analyze. Okay, here's what went wrong. Here's a position I don't want to put myself in again. And they make an adjustment. And then here's what they do. They get back in the huddle and they lead their team to the end zone. That is a proper response to unrighteousness. It's going to happen. Can you step back? Can you look at it? Can you not make excuses? I own this. I messed up. Yes, that was foolish. I don't want to be foolish again. Make an adjustment. Get back on the field. Let's go. That's the response we need. That's wisdom. You know what would have been a great quarterback? I wholeheartedly believe it. Paul. Here's what he says. 1 Timothy chapter 1. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That's the, we need to see this and accept, right? That Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. We're teaching your kids that right now. Jesus came to save sinners. Praise God. Paul says, of whom I am the foremost. Some of your versions said, who I am the chief. That's what Paul said about himself. Okay, that's a, that's a good proper view of yourself but look at Romans 6 where he's addressing sin and not obeying this okay what 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 shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound Paul says heck no that's foolish but then quarterback Paul also writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Man, this guy, this guy knew how to respond. He knew how to deal with righteousness, that he should pursue it. And he knew that there were times he was going to be unrighteous. He says, listen, Philippians chapter 3, 14, verse 314, sorry. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. That's what, that's what Paul said. I'm not perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me. Yeah, I threw an interception last quarter, but I'm going to strain forward to what's ahead of me. We got, three, we got more quarters to play. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Listen, we should pursue 
righteousness. We should pursue holiness. We're not perfect. We're not going to be there. But listen, let those of us who are mature say, no, I strive for Jesus. And the only way this, listen, we can't do it on our own. The only way we can be righteous is through a relationship. You guys know Psalm 23, right? The most famous poems of all time. Verse 3 says this, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen, that little sentence is packed full of relationship. See, we're following Jesus. You know where Jesus will lead us? Paths of righteousness. It's an overflow of a relationship. If I have two warnings for us here this morning, it's right here. Number one warning, let us not act as if God does not lead us in paths of righteousness. He does. We just need to do what this book says. Here's my second warning. I don't want you to be so righteous that you forget where you came from. Because when you forget what you once were, basically what you're forgetting is God's grace. Don't become so righteous that you forget God's grace. Which leads to my third and final point, and this is how we will conclude. My goal and here is not that you, I, I don't only just want to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. I want us to get a proper view of ourselves, but finally I want you to walk out of this theater seeing Jesus. And here's our reality, guys. We live in a very transactional world. What do I mean by that? We pay $5 and we get a, something to eat. $5 worth of food. Or some of you crazy people spend $10 on coffee. Now, you don't get $10 worth of coffee, but you get my point. You give money, you get something. That's what America is. It's transactional. It's predictable. The thing about Jesus is he's not, trans, he, he, he's, he's not a transactional Jesus, meaning this, we don't pray 10 minutes and then get 10 minutes of blessing. That's not how it works. Sometimes I think we think that. See, our God is a giver of good gifts, and it doesn't make sense to us. Listen to this verse. Romans 6.23 says this, famous verse, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In a transactional world... Sin equals death. Now go back to Ecclesiastes 7.20. Sin equals death. Everybody say that? Okay, but surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Oh, crap. So what do we do with this? sin equals death and then we have Jesus who comes and says no I'm going to take that and I'm going to give you eternal life so we have these tracks right we have these train tracks these rails if we stay on them we won't wreck. Like, like, 
If we follow these tracks, it will go well with us. The issue is we don't have the strength to stay on these tracks. But we have Jesus who who actually lived every word of this book perfectly. And the thing about Jesus is he's not the tracks and he doesn't stand back and point us at the tracks. Jesus is actually like the train. He's like, hop on. And I'm going to keep you on the tracks. We don't even have to do it. Jesus is our only hope.